to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. As we've been looking at Colossians chapter 2, we've seen that Paul is talking to the church of Colossae. We've talked about who is the church of Colossae. We've talked about where uh, they were located. We talk about the people that uh, we, we sometimes don't identify. We don't associate with Colossians. We, you know, we think, hey, it's one of the four epistles. And, uh, you know, we don't associate Colossae with Laodicea. I would be remiss if I didn't say this again every time I talk about this in this instance or in this this message, the, the subject that we look at, that Paul is warning the church in Colossae and the neighboring city of Laodicea. Somewhere along the line, Colossae began to die away and it no longer became a strategic city or an economic city that it was at the very time that Paul was writing this. It actually began, it was on the dying side. But the the, the city that was growing was Laodicea. And so Paul is talking to them, he's warning them, he's encouraging them to watch out. And something happened to the church, something happened to the people. Because we see in the seven churches of Asia, we see of the seven churches that Jesus talks to and talks about in Revelation chapters two and three, the seven churches, the one church that he sees. And he really says some pretty harsh words to is this church of Laodicea. This is a church that Paul was trying to get to and say, hey, listen, listen up, be aware, be careful. Understand, there is some dangers that are coming your way. Even though Paul had never been to Colossae, he'd never been to this church, all that he knew about this church was what he had heard and learned from a man that would go to where Paul was, and his name was Epaphras. Epaphras is an awesome dude. I look at Epaphras. Epaphras is, we don't really ever talk about Epaphras, but Epaphras is a guy who gets saved He's excited about what God has done in his own life. He's gone back to the city of Colossae. He's told people about what God had done in his life and a church was birthed. And so Epaphras would grow and the church began to grow there and Epaphras continued to minister to the people. And then when he'd encounter a, a difficulty, which he did at this point, wait a minute, we have a church going, but now people are coming in and they... They're really kind of trying to persuade us towards an intellectual mind that says that it's not Jesus and Jesus alone, but it's Jesus plus many other things. It's intellectualism above Jesus Christ and him crucified. And and Epaphras goes, I'm not smart enough. And man, can I identify with Epaphras on this? I'm not smart enough to come against these guys because these guys 
are a whole lot smarter than I am. They have a whole lot more, you know, letters behind their names because of the universities, because of, of the schooling, because of the education that they have, you know, that they've acquired. They're a lot smarter than I am and they can speak a lot. They're much more, they're much smoother with their words than I am. And so Epaphras would go and visit Paul while Paul was in prison and say, Paul, uh, what do I do? How do I go about this? What, what, what would you say? What would you encourage? How would I, how do I tackle this issue? And so Paul, he's writing a letter that's going to be sent to the church of Colossae to encourage the believers that are there. And I believe that it's something very similar to what we're going through today. We're going through a time in our history in the church that, that I see a lot of churches that are huge, but there might be just a little bit of substance missing. There are far too many churches in this country that are huge that don't emphasize Jesus Christ and Him crucified. They highlight things that make you feel better. They, they, they'll highlight how they can build your self-esteem, how they can not talk about the negative of the Word of God because that is something that people don't like to talk about. We want to talk about the positive. And I see that that's a dangerous thing. That is just a dangerous thing in the church. We're called to come out from the world. We're not called to come out to, from the world to be a, become a part of the church so that we can become like the world again. And yet that's what the church so oftentimes tries to do. And they'll, they'll box it. We can do this in the church as pastors. We can box things and package things in such a way is to say, well, wait a minute. Paul says, I became all things to all men that I might win some. And we can take that to such an unhealthy degree, an unhealthy conclusion or an unhealthy end that we lose sight of what we're doing in the first place, what our purpose is in the first place. And I know a guy that, that, that he felt like what I need to do is I, God saved me. God brought me out of the bars, but here's the thing. I'm going to go back into the bars. Not to say that people, that God doesn't call people to do that. This fella, for instance, though, I don't believe that God called him to do that because what was happening is that the guy was going back into the bars. He was getting trashed, but in the, times that he was getting trashed, he would bring up the Lord and then they'd have these drunken spiritual discussions. <laughs> and and he said, that's my way of reaching, you know, my old friends. I don't, I think that that's taking, becoming all things to all men that I might win some to an unhealthy end. But sometimes we do that. Sometimes we can be guilty of that, right? Oh, it might not be going into a bar and doing that, but it might be in other areas of our life. It might be in the things that are popular on TV or things that are popular on the airwaves or things that are popular in the newsstands. It might be whatever, whatever it might be. Things that are popular on social media that, that we, we, we entertain because, well, we want to become like the world. We want to be a lot like the world so that we can identify with them. And when in all actuality, we got to be careful. 
Because if we become too much like the world, what's the difference? What do you have to offer the world? What do I have to offer the world? If I become just like the world, all that I'm doing, I'm just going to church, but I have everything that the world has. I'm doing everything that the world does. What's the difference? What do I have to say? What, what do I have to offer the world? Well, it goes, ah, I don't, I don't want to believe in that. Oh, but wait a minute. Yeah, I have everything you have and I'm doing what you're doing. I'm going to the same place as you're going. I'm enjoying the same exact things you're enjoying. I I have, but I'm going to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven too, right? And nobody's ever confronted with the sin factor where we're looking at a holy God and saying, hey, you know what? I'm lost without the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm lost. But the church kind of comes in and it softens, it, it, it sands down the coarseness of the gospel. It sands down the coarseness of salvation. And when I say it's coarse, how can good news be coarse? Because we can't truly understand good news, right? Unless we understand what the bad news is first. And and so if we don't understand the bad news, if we don't understand that we're separated from God, if we don't understand that I'm lost, that I have offended a holy God, that I am lost for eternity unless I come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ and Him crucified, unless I come to a place where I recognize that it was for me that He died on the cross... It was for my sin that he died on the cross. Unless I come to this place where I radically deal with my sin, I confess my sin, I offer my sin to the Lord, I recognize that in my own strength, in my own power, in who I am, I'm lost. But in you, Jesus Christ, you took my sin upon your shoulders. You paid my penalty upon the cross. You rose again from a death that I couldn't rise again from for me. You did this for me, and apart from you, I'm lost. And I've got to continually deal with this. I need to continually look at sin as sin. I don't want to water down sin. The aggressiveness of the gospel is, hey, you're going to hell. Wait a minute, I don't want to go to hell. Well, you've offended God. You were born offending God. Wait a minute. How could I be born offending God? Because you were born in sin. There's only one person that's ever lived that was not born into sin, and that was Jesus. He's the only one. Why? Because the seed of the of sin passes through man. It's the reason why Jesus was virgin born. Through a virgin from the seed of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit placed the seed into Mary. But we've talked about this before on Easter. When we talk about, and we've got this big thing that's going on in the country right now, where people look at the life of a child and they say, hey, it's okay to abort a baby. 
I think we're going to look back, should the Lord tarry, we're going to look back at this time and we're going to, we're going to look at the United States. We're going to look at us and we're going to go, holy cow, we were worse than, than the Germans. We were worse than the Nazis. We killed innocent babies. How did we justify that? I look at the TV today and I think, how in the world are we justifying so many of the things that's going on in this country? But the church, is afraid to deal with these things because it's not a popular saying. And if you say the wrong thing, people will walk away because they are going to be offended. Should the people walk away? Then let them walk away. Jesus never softened a word in because he was afraid that people would walk away. So much so that Jesus said, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part with me. And it made 15,000 people walk away. to where there was only just the 12 disciples scratching their head going, wow, that is not the way to build a church. Jesus, you don't do that kind of stuff. Not in our, not in our society. That doesn't happen that way. We, we're not totally understanding this whole thing about what you're doing. I, I, don't you want to see people follow you? How, do, how come you just chased away all of those people? I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But here, here's the thing. Jesus had to explain to the disciples what he was meaning by that. The point is, is that Jesus doesn't soften his stance on sin. He doesn't soften the, the truth in order to become more appealing to the world. Now, does that mean that he doesn't love the world? Absolutely not. The Bible tells us very specifically that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That God loved us so much in, and he demonstrated that love towards us so much so that in that while we were still in our sin, God, Christ died for us. Christ died for us. Even in spite of our sin, here's the thing. He loves us so much, but he's not going to gloss over sin. He's not going to say, ah, you got a pass for that one. You do so many other good things. I'm going to give you a pass on that. Here's the thing. There's going to be a lot of people that are going to look the part. They're going to look like Christians on the outside because that's the garments that they wear, basically. It's the, it's the, the bumper sticker that they might have, or it's the coffee cup that they have, or it's the tattoo, or maybe in the necklace or a bracelet or something, a hat, a shirt, whatever it is that they have, they look the part. They have the right saying on there, but the thing is, I, I truly believe there's going to be a lot of people that are not going to be in heaven because they're being lied to. They're being robbed. That's what Paul is trying to talk about. In chapter 2, look at what it says here. I want you to know, verse 1, what a great conflict that I have for you and those in Laodicea. For, and for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love and attaining to all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both to the Father of the Father and of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Everything that we need, all the treasures that we need are all hidden in Christ, okay? Now, this I say, 
lest anyone should, listen, deceive you. That word deceive there is a word that can also mean victimize. This I say, lest anyone should victimize you with persuasive words. For though I am absent in the flesh, I've never been there, Paul is saying. I've never been there to your church. Never been to Laodicea. I haven't been to, to Colossae. Even though I'm absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As you have therefore received Christ, listen, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. That's simple. Remember, we've talked about that in the past. Knowing how to live the Christian life is quite simple. Living the Christian life is quite difficult. In fact, it's impossible apart from the Holy Spirit. We talked about that the last time we were together. Here's the thing. Paul's saying, if you've received Christ Jesus, then walk in him. Do what, do what it is that he calls you to do. You can't do it apart from the Holy Spirit. You can give it a good college try, but you're going to find yourself very discouraged. And that's why I believe that a lot of Christians get burnt out is because they're trying to live the Christian life in their own flesh, in their own strength. And they don't see the value of allowing the Holy Spirit to impart to them the reasons for taking the next step the next day. Because sometimes the steps I've shared in my opening prayer, sometimes the steps of the Lord to us in the here and the now, they don't make sense. It's almost as if the Lord has laid down some stones just below the surface water of a raging river. And he's called you and I to walk across that river individually. But the only way for you to get across that river today is if you listen to him. The only way for you not to sink and be swept downstream with the, with the world is for you and I to listen, I to listen personally, individually to the Lord and his direction. And sometimes it doesn't make sense. Sometimes we don't understand. But as the Lord says, I want you to put your foot out. Now, no, turn it to the right just a little bit. A little bit more, a little bit more. Well, Lord, that's kind of uncomfortable right there. I don't know that why is it that you're having me be uncomfortable here? He goes, just put your foot down. But Lord, it's a little uncomfortable for me. Just put your foot down. And what happens when you put your foot down? You find some firm ground. You go, oh, wow. Well, I would never put a rock there, but you did, and you saved my life right there, Lord. All right, now I want you to take your next foot, and I want you to put it out. Now go to the left a little bit. Let it. But Lord, that's uncomfortable to me. How many times does the Lord do that with you, as he does with me, and he's telling me every single day what steps I should take, only for me to go, yeah, well, that's not comfortable for me, Lord. That's not... That just doesn't seem logical to me. I don't see the end result on why you would have me to do this. And so I think I need to take a step here because I believe that there's a bloop and, and you drown. You know, you, you end up going into the drink. Far too often, all too often, all too every time when I go according to my own logic, I will sink. If I'm not listening to the Lord, I'm going to sink. You're going to sink. We're going to sink. And so we need to listen to what the Lord 
calls for us to do because every single day you've got a new raging river in front of you. The end of the day, your bed's on the other side, okay? Get this picture in your head. You've got a bed on the other side of this raging river and the Lord is going to give you the steps to get across there safely. He'll rescue you, but we don't want to lean on, on the grace of the Lord rescuing us all the time. What do we want? Well, we have to, but wouldn't it be great if we just listen to the Lord and get across the river the way that the Lord would have us to get across the river? Sometimes it's uncomfortable when God calls us to say something to someone or to reach out, or to make a phone call to somebody that you know, necessarily you wouldn't have called. Ah, it makes me a little uncomfortable calling that person. We're getting together with somebody. You know, hey, I'm going to get together with somebody. I'm going to buy them lunch or I'm going to buy them breakfast and I'm going to talk to them and I'm just going to hear what's going on in their life. And so here's the thing. When you do, it's a little uncomfortable. It's a step that you normally wouldn't have taken, but it's something that the Lord has called you to do and you do it. And at the end of the day, you go, wow, Lord, that was awesome. Thanks. And you get get yourself across the river because you've listened to the Lord every day. There's your bed on the other side. Every day, you and I are navigating a raging river. But every day, we must listen to the Lord to find out where the capstones are out there in the water so that we are going to find firm foundation when we step upon those waves and we step down upon firm foundation. We step down upon a firm stone to get across that raging river. And so here's the thing. We've got to listen to the Lord. And it might not always make sense. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. That's, that's what it means to walk in Him. It's to do what He calls you to do. When you, it, there's some things that are just obvious. There's just some things that are just obvious. You know, hey, here's the thing. I, you know, I go to the, the cash register and I, I, you know, total all this stuff up and the person go, and the person forgets to, to charge me for something and you happen to see it. You would think it would be obvious, but how many of us go, hey man, that's the Lord. He's saving me some bucks on that thing. Or do we look at it and go, hey, you know what? The right thing to do, the, the thing that I believe God would have me to do is say, hey, you know what? I think you forgot to scan this one thing. Oh, man, I'm thanks so much for sharing that. Thanks for letting me know. Yeah, here. Oh, oh sorry about that. That's the right thing to do. Don't look at that as an opportunity. Don't ever mistake God going, well, I think that that was God's way of providing for me today. Stealing. <laughs> when it's brought to your attention, don't, don't steal. Don't steal. Do what the Lord calls you to do. As you've therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith. As you've been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving, He says, then he comes in and he says, Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So here's, here's where we are. Last week we talked about the three things that are against us, right? The three things that are against us are our own flesh, the world, and Satan. I said last week we talked a little bit about our own flesh and how we get in our own way. But here today, what Paul's talking about here is he's saying there's others that are going to get in your way too. Beware. Beware, he says. 
Beware lest anyone cheat you. It's a warning to believers in Colossae. It's a warning to the, to the believers in Laodicea. It's a warning to you and I today. That we are to, and when you look at beware, it's not a, a hard stretch for you and I to look at it and go, okay, wait, beware. Be aware. Be aware. What does that speak to us? What does that say to us? We are to be aware that we are not cheated. Beware, the word in the Greek is blepo. It's a term that literally means to see with understanding, to see or to discern with the bodily eye or with the mind's eye, to understand with observation and perception, to to weigh carefully or to examine. And so the idea behind beware is to see with understanding, to see with perception, to see with discernment. Paul's saying, I want you to see with understanding that you don't get cheated. The word cheat is a term meaning robbery. False teachers rob others of truth and blessings and even at times salvation. Talked a little bit about that. There's people that that look the part. They open a Bible. They say Bible verses from a pulpit that looks like this that are being used by none other than Satan himself. And they're, they're not teaching the truth of the gospel. They're not teaching the truth of God's word because they rip out part of it that doesn't, that, that is not what they feel appropriate for the hearers. How dare anyone stand behind a pulpit and the word of God open and determine what someone should hear and what someone shouldn't hear. It's one of the reasons why Kevin and I, we determine to teach through the Bible, to teach verse by verse through the word of God. Now, sometimes we'll go off on a subject matter and we'll talk about a subject matter. But one of the things that we do, the the thing that we've always done from the very moment that I got over here until the very day right now is that we always pick up kind of right right where we left off the week before because we want to go through the whole counsel of God. Because it's so easy for me to count, to to focus on scriptures that are a whole lot easier to teach than the ones that really pierce the hearts of people. I don't want to pierce the hearts of people. I want people to like me. I want people to be happy when they go home. I want people to, when they hear the term pastored on, they put a smile on their face. Not that ugly guy always convicts me. That guy always talks about hard things. I don't like dealing with those hard things. Now, my intention and my heart is not to go out and injure. I'm not here to always take bow and arrows and just try to hit anybody and anyone. The heart is... I want to teach the word and I'll let the cards fall where they may. I'll let the Lord worry about who likes me and who does it. I'd rather teach the word the the best way I know how. And that's line by line, precept upon precept. My, my, my heart is, and Kevin's heart is to teach the word in such a way that it can't be misunderstood. When hard things are said, hopefully we're able to articulate, hey, these are hard things to say. These are hard things for us to articulate to you, but 
They're necessary because God put them in His Word. And because God put them in their, in His Word, we have to work through these things. These are things that we have to look at seriously in our life. I know it's not a popular message. I know it's not a popular thing to say. And I know it's not going to make you go home feeling super duper happy with yourself. But here's the thing. It's what the Word of God says. And I have no right to take anything out of the Word of God. And I have no right to put anything into the Word of God. My job, Pastor Kevin's job, is to teach the Word of God. It's your job whether you want to listen to it or not. Are we the best? No, we're not. So many people out there are a whole whole lot better than we are. But here's the thing. We're going to be our best. We're going to be the best that we possibly can be to teach the Word the way that the Lord is articulating to us. Because there's coming a day where I'm going to be having an answer for you (laughs) and what it is that I taught. I take that very seriously. I can be a screw-up in a lot of areas. But one thing that I can honestly say, I've never come into this pulpit. Now, I believe I can speak on Kevin's behalf too. Never once have we ever come into this pulpit ever having an agenda. We've come into this pulpit fearing that we say the wrong thing and misrepresent the Lord. I don't want to misrepresent the Lord. Not to you, not to me, not to anyone. Because I'm going to have to answer for that. And so one thing that can always be said, I had an elder leave the church one time many years ago. And he says, hey, Spirit of the Lord's gone from that church, from your church. I'm leaving. Oh, wow. He goes, but there's one thing I have to say. And what's that? You, this pulpit, teaches the word of God so faithfully. I'm thinking, what is inconsistent with that statement? Is the Holy Spirit not where the word of God is taught? If that's the case, then that's the Lord's problem, not my problem. I want to teach the word of God faithfully. Kevin wants to teach the word of God faithfully. It's up to you whether or not you want to listen to it. It's up to me whether or not I want to listen to what it is that I even say. Yeah, and I'll go back and listen to my own messages sometimes. And I get hammered just like you do. But I love God so much that I don't want to be the same person tomorrow that I am today. And hopefully you love the Lord that way too, that you don't want to be the same person today or uh, tomorrow as you are today. You want to grow. I want to grow in the Lord. I want to, I want to know the Lord more. I want to know what it is that he has for my life on a day-by-day basis. I want to be rooted in him. I want to be built up in him. And Paul says, I want you to beware because there's guys out there that are trying to rob you. As a Christian, we're constantly, we're continually and constantly called to beware or be aware or to see with understanding and perception something or someone that is out there to try to cheat us, to try to rob us. This word is not always negative though. This word blepo, this word blepo is a, it's, it's an interesting word because here we use it, we see it in the word beware or be aware. See with your mind, see with perception, see with understanding. But this word, it's 217 times in the New Testament that it's spoken, that it's used. It's not always in a negative fashion. Sometimes it's in a positive fashion. 
In a positive fashion, just a couple of instances, Jesus uses this word in the most perfect sense. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 4, he says, See that your charitable, be, charitable deed may be that your charitable deed may be in secret and your father who sees, this is the word, sees, blepo, blepo, that your father who blepos in secret will himself reward you openly. And so what you do for the Lord in secret where nobody else sees, the Lord sees you. He blepos you. It's kind of a cool word, isn't it? Blepo. Kind of sounds like the the the... The, the, the character in Popeye, Bluto, but he wasn't a bad guy. Bleppo wasn't a bad guy. Bleppo can also be a good thing. Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, in other words, not to be seen by others that you might be puffed up, but to be seen in your secret place where only you and God know what you're doing. So he's saying, when you pray, go into your secret place or into your closet and your father who sees or blepos understands, sees with perception, sees with understanding. He sees with discernment why you're doing what you do, why you're doing what you're doing. He sees with understanding. He's aware of your intentions. He will reward you openly. Jesus also words, uses this word in a contrasting sense also. When Jesus spoke to the multitudes in parables, you remember when he spoke to the multitudes in parables? They were confused. And Jesus explained to his disciples in Matthew chapter 13, verse 13, Jesus said to his disciples, guys, I speak to them in parables because seeing or blepo, seeing they do not see, Bleppo, they don't bleppo. And hearing, they don't hear or perceive, nor do they understand. The idea here is, is that they hear the words, but how does it affect, how does, what's, what's in it for me? Jesus says it's not what it's about. It's not what's in it for you. It's about what does God want to do through you? What does God want to do in you? Not what's in it for me. How can I benefit from this? How can I, you know, uh, become wealthy with this? How can I become, you know, get more for myself? How can this benefit me? No, 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 no. This is, what is it that you want to do in my life, Lord? What is it that you're trying to speak to me? What is it that you're trying to articulate to me? What are you pounding home into my heart right now by saying the things you're saying? You're speaking these parables. You're speaking these these messages of of the uh, the world a farmer and fields and seeds and different grounds. I, I don't understand. He's just telling a story. Most of the people will listen to that story and they'll go, ah, he just told the story about a farmer. Don't know what he even means. Jesus says, because seeing they don't see. Hearing they don't hear. They don't understand. Because they don't want to understand. But he says to them, the contrast, Jesus said to the disciples in Matthew chapter, in the same chapter, three verses later, Jesus goes on to say to the disciples, but blessed are your eyes for they do blepo, they do see and they do hear or perceive and understand. You understand, you see, you understand why it is that I'm saying such things. You're understanding that I'm not just telling a neat little story. 
I'm telling you a story with a message that speaks of the kingdom of God. I'm telling you a story that has an impact on you personally to draw you closer into the understanding of what God wants to do in your life and through your life today. The others are going, I don't understand. When, when's, when's dinner? When is he going to do this whole thing with food? I'm hungry. Jesus also uses this word blepo, beware, or, or to see with perception and understanding even in a negative sense. Or, or maybe better, when, when I say this, not necessarily in a negative sense, he uses the word to say, if you heed this warning to see or to beware, you'll be blessed. But if you do not heed this warning or see or to be aware, it will not go well with you. You remember Jesus talks about in Matthew, or excuse me, in Mark chapter 12, verse 38, he says, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love the greetings in the marketplaces, they love the best seats in the synagogues and the best places on the at the feast, but they devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive a greater condemnation. So Jesus says, blepo those scribes, who do that? Blepo the person who does things to be and draw attention to themselves. Beware, perceive, understand, see with your mind's eye that that is not my heart for my kids. My heart is that you serve people. My heart is that you love people. My heart is that you reach out with graciousness and ministry, and and love. My heart is that you are my hands, and you are my feet, and you are my mouth, and you are my eyes. When you see something, you do something. When you hear something, you do something. When you have an opportunity to minister to somebody, you open your mouth and you do it. That is my heart for you. Beware. Blepo, the scribes, who look the part, but they don't live the part. That's what he's saying. Right? Said, so, so here's the thing. There's a contrast. Beware of those guys. Understand that they do and they look the part and they look great to the world. But to God, they don't look great at all. In fact, God in human flesh says, do not ever follow those guys. Don't follow those guys. I don't care how good and how nice their clothes might look. I don't care how holy they might look. That's not my guy. That's not my child. Regarding the end times, Jesus says, and the day, and also in the days that we're living, Mark chapter 13, verse 5, verse 9, verse 22 through 23. I'm not going to read from verse, you know, 5 all the way through 23. I'm just going to hit the parts where Jesus is talking and using the word blepo. You'll understand the passage when I start reading it. He says in verse 5 of Mark chapter 13, he says, take heed or beware or see with your understanding and perceive that no one deceives you or robs you, right? For many will come in my name saying, I am he, and they'll deceive many. But watch out for yourselves. Beware, blepo, see with understanding, see with that perception, for they will deliver you up. Beware, they're going to deliver you up. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and they'll show signs and wonders in order to deceive, to rob, to rob people of salvation. Know this, we're living in a day and always have been living. We just sometimes, because we can't see it physically, 
We sometimes pretend that it's not there, but there is a spiritual realm that we are living in on a day-by-day basis. There is a battle for your life. There is a battle for your, for your soul. Every single, there's a battle for your mind. There's a battle for the direction of which you're going to walk today. And it's a spiritual battle that goes on around us day by day by day. Now, I'm not one that wants to sit there and say, hey, watch out, be careful, because there's a, you know, there's a, a spooky ghost around every corner. But understand this, there's a, there's demons in this room right now that are trying to confuse you. They're trying to get you to not listen to what's being said. They're trying to get you to go down different roads. But don't freak out on them because there are angels in here that are fighting for you. There's a battle that's going on for your life. I remember back when I was over in Fort Lauderdale many years ago, there was a, a, a woman that was a... Uh, an artist, and she drew this picture. I don't know, Kevin, if you saw this picture. She did it out of pencil. And she had this whole penciled picture of a, of a sanctuary. And they had the pastor there. I've, I've shared this before with some of you guys will remember this, but a pastor is there. And what it is, is she heard a message kind of like this, and she put it down on paper. And that's the thing I love about artists, that they can actually take you know, the word and put it down in such a a manner in which you could visibly and physically see what what was happening. And that was what, what was going on with this woman. She wrote this. She was one of the single gals, you know, and she did this and she showed it. And I, I have it somewhere. It's packed it away in a box. I wish I could find it. I've looked for it over the years, but this thing about, yeah, whatever. But it's a picture that has the pews out there and, and you'll have like, you know, in this, this, I'm not going to use any of you because I don't want any of you to think that this was going on with you right now because, you know, there'd be a person right here and they're sitting there and they're eager to hear. And, and what's happening is that they've got, you know, some demons that are kind of over their head trying to, you know, tossing things down, but they've got some, some angels that are sitting there guarding over that person to listen. And they're sitting there and they're eager to hear. And, and then they have, you know, a, a couple back in the back over there and they're back there and they're talking to each other and they got the demons that are there and the angels are trying to fight through to, and, and they're not getting through. The demons are winning that battle. And so you got all above these people and there's a lot of different scenes like that of battles that are going on for the souls and the hearts and the minds of the people all through and they've got all these demons and angels you know fighting around in there and they got them above you know in the in the, the expanse above the sanctuary and the pastor is standing there and you got this gigantic like archangel behind the pastor as the pastor is teaching i'm going man that fires me up man seeing that kind of a picture God, protect me. Protect the words that come out of my mouth. Don't let the words that come out of my mouth be my words. Let them be your words because my words don't do anything for you. His words can transform your life. God, do a work. Do a work in us. Don't let us walk out of here the same people as we were when we walked in. God, help us not to allow the enemy to win battles in our life. Help us to be victorious. So she had this cool picture that physically you could look and see and go, wow, that is such an interesting concept. It's just an interesting picture. But false Christ, false prophets are going to take, they're going to rise and they're going to show signs and wonders to deceive, even if possible, the elect. But take heed, he goes on. Beware, blepo, beware, be aware, see with understanding and perception, take heed. See, I have told you all these things beforehand. 
So Jesus, he's, he's using this and he's saying, watch out. If, if you, if you don't want to believe it, you're going to fail. But if you're cognizant of it, I remember, uh, I had to go through driving school one time, not because I wanted to, but because I had to go to driving school because I got a ticket, wanted my points off my license. One of the things that the driver's ed teacher told me one time that in that class is he said, if you go out every day expecting to get in an accident, you won't get in an accident that day. If you go out expecting to get hit, you won't get hit. There's probably a lot of truth to that, but here's the thing. I moved that around to a spiritual sense. and I thought, you know what? If every day I go out and I expect to get attacked, but I also expect to have the power to get through the attacks on a day-by-day basis, I'm going to win. God's going to win. God's going to do a work in my life. God will win. But I have to understand that there is a battle going on in the realm around me that I can't see. And sometimes one of the greatest um, uh, effectiveness, uh, effective uh, tools of the enemy is complacency, indifference. Then we just say, I'm so used to this battle that's going around in my head that I don't even think about it anymore. Just blah, just do whatever. And it ends up where we fail and we lose more battles than we win. And Paul's trying to tell you and trying to tell me, he's saying, watch out. Not only are the demons out there, and we'll talk about the demons next week, but here's the thing. There are others that are being used by the enemy and they're coming in here and they're trying to cheat you. They're trying to rob you out of the man or the woman that God wants you to be. They're going to tell you, you need to do it their way or it's the highway, man. You're going to go to hell if you don't do it their way. But they can't back it up in scripture. It's their leader that has told them this. It's a book or it's their intellect that says, well, this is, must be what it means. Yeah, kind of like what I was saying here, here in the beginning. Become all, you know, Paul says, I became all things, all men that I might win some. I was talking to somebody recently saying, hey, Here's the thing. The person was saying, I give money to this person because they ask. I give money to this person because they ask. Because I know that Jesus says, if you ask, you'll receive. So I give this person money. What does this person do with it? They buy drugs. And it just breaks my heart because I want to be Jesus and I give them money. I'm going, well, stop giving that person money. You're enabling that person. But how do I reconcile the fact that Jesus says when they ask, give it to them? The person asked for your coat, give them your coat. Give them what they want. That's what I'm supposed to be. And, and my answer was, how many things have you asked for that Jesus said no? How many things have you asked God, hey, I can totally see how you can bless this, Lord. Can I have this? And the Lord said no, and he didn't give it to you. Is God not being God because he didn't give something to you? No, God doesn't give something to you because he knows that it can harm you. It can hurt you. Think of all the people that were there when Peter and John walked through the gate. There was a guy that was sitting there at the gate that was paralyzed. That had sat at the gate his whole life. That Jesus walked right by this guy his whole life. Jesus died, rose again in heaven. And Peter and John are walking through this same gate that Jesus walked through hundreds of times. And this person was sitting there begging for money. And Peter 
he reaches down and he says, hey, silver and gold, I have none, but what I do have in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. And the person rose up and walked. Why? Jesus didn't heal them. Was Jesus not nice? In the pool of Siloam, there was only one person that Jesus healed. There were hundreds of people around that pool. Jesus only healed the one. Does that make Jesus mean? Does that make him not right? Here's the thing, guys. Just because someone asks, is it going to be helpful to them? Pray about it. Lord, is this really something that you want me to do? Every single time I've given this person money, they've gone and used it for meth. Lord, I don't think I'm going to give them any more money. I think that that probably would be a bad thing to do anymore, right, Lord? Yeah, that's right. And and so understand that there's discernment. We need to blepo. We need to see with understanding. You know, I, I feel like I'm out of time, but I feel like my whole life as a father, I've done nothing but blepo my son. <laughs> I, I've, I've warned him. I, I've, I've, I've encouraged him to see with discerning eyes. I've encouraged him to see that the world's not necessarily a nice place. You know, Keith Green had an old song called Song for Josiah. Now his son Josiah, I think, died with him when he was nine years old, I think. Seven or nine years old when Keith Green was killed in the airplane crash in Texas. But the song for Josiah, you know, my son, you were born in a world that hates you. You know, my son, I will never forsake you. You know, the world means to kill you. The world means to destroy you. But with God's help, I will lead you if you'll let me. If you let me, I'll teach you. If you let me, I'll, I'll encourage you. Uh, if you let me, I'll, I'll point you in the right direction towards Christ because that's your answer. And the idea is, is to teach your child, to teach, to teach, to blepo, to warn. You know, the day that Nathan was born, he, uh, he came out. And he wasn't breathing. And he turned a deep purple. And he was just lifeless in Dr. Uh, McGuire, McGuire's arms. We got pictures of it. It's the scariest look I've ever seen. And she has him upside down, his head down here and his arm just hanging. His cheek just up against her arm. She's going, okay, come on, come on. Here you go, come on. And she's hitting him and he's not responding. And I'm going, oh my gosh, I'm sitting here seeing my son die right in front of me. And she's moving him around, moving him around, moving him around, yelling at him, rubbing him, rubbing him. And it went on and on and on. And I'm thinking, how long can this go before he has to take a breath? And it took a long time. But then he finally took a breath. And then they scored him on the Apgar score, you know. All right, he's good, he's good. And then we were able to breathe a sigh of relief and he was fine. He was good. We wrapped him up, cleaned him up, wrapped him up. All the people that were around, family, friends, whoever that came in the room, they moved us up to our room. But then after all of the busyness was away, 
And it was just the very first intimate moment that my wife and I and Nathan had. You know, I took him and I, 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 uh, I spoke a word over him. And uh, as a father, as Paul is doing here to us, to the church of Colossae, I read this psalm or this proverb over him. My son, if you receive my words and you treasure my commands within you so that you incline your ear to wisdom and you apply your heart to understanding. Yes, if you cry out for discernment. Does he understand a word I'm saying? No, but this is something I'm praying over my son. If you cry out for discernment and you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as for silver, and you search for her as for hidden treasures, then it's a conditional. It's a conditional promise. It's a conditional prayer. If you do these things, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you'll find the knowledge of God for the Lord gives wisdom and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield son to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and he preserves the way of his saints then, son, you will understand righteousness and justice and equity and every good path. That's my, that's my, my, my charge to my son. That was my blepo moment with my son. Blepo, son, blepo. Be aware. This life that we live is conditional. If you follow the Lord, it will go well. It will be tough, but it will go well. Don't follow others. Don't follow the world. Don't follow those even with persuasive words. Just because somebody can say something very, very, very smooth doesn't mean they're right. The only way for you and I to combat that is for us to know the word of God ourselves. And Paul, that's all Paul's trying to get to. Know the word. Know the word. Know the word, understand the word so that, so that you know when someone comes and tries to cheat you with philosophies of this world and the traditions of men that you are ready for it. And you can understand that that's not the right word. That's not the right thing. That is not holy. That's not biblical. That's not what God would have me to do. Beware, blepo. I've blepoed you my whole life. I've tried to. I've tried to teach you. I've tried to warn you. I've tried, and Kevin has tried to bring discernment and wisdom and understanding so that we could grow together. That's my job as a Christian, not just as a pastor. My job as a Christian to talk to people about the Lord, to warn them about the dangers that are out there in the world and even them that are behind the pulpit, just because they have a Bible in front of them, just because they can quote a verse, doesn't mean that they're holy. Didn't Satan quote a lot of verses to Jesus? Was he a holy man? No, he wasn't. Just because somebody knows the Bible, knows verses out of the Bible, doesn't mean that they're right. You need to know the truth yourself. You need to blepo. Be careful. See with your mind's eye. See with your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit what is right, what is holy, 
And what is of the Lord? Because as sure as you are sitting in your seat and I'm standing here right now, we are so easily susceptible to believe a lie if we don't know the truth. And you will be robbed. And that's exactly what the enemy wants to do is to rob. That's what Jesus said. The thief, which speaking of Satan, does not come except to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to rob you, man. He wants to take of you, take away from you. He wants to destroy you. But I have come that you might have life and that more abundantly. And my heart for you, dear saints, is that you have an abundant life in Christ because you're aware of what the word says and you are discerning what is going on around you so that you don't just believe anything that comes around, but you test it by the word of God. Does that make sense? Hey, thanks for listening. So did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.